Hello, Warriors. How are y'all doing this evening? This is Latrice Carter with, of course, Horror Movie Warriors. I hope you guys are having a great night. I hope you guys had a great week, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, tonight, I am um, I am with um, two guests. Now, one, one guest has not been on here for at least two years now. I think it's been two or three years, Lavelle, since you've been on. But Lavelle Jackson is back. And then I have a newbie with me, Paul Karkoff. Did I say your last name right, Paul? Is it Karkoff? Close enough. Okay. It's Karkoff. Karkoff. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was off, like, by a syllable, I guess. Yeah. It's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it spelled easy enough, but then I, I say Karkoff instead of Karkoff. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's spelled uh, like K-L-K-A-L-K-H-O-F-F. And you would think that's easy to say. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, the H throws everyone out. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this H is silent. So, yeah. Yeah, because K doesn't usually, or H doesn't usually follow K anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's so true. That's so true. But um, but thank you for being here. I thank you for trying out my podcast. I know uh, you're going to have fun. Hopefully, I will have you back. As a matter of fact, I think you did sign up for two this season. And I can't yeah. wait to do the other one. Yeah, either. I did. Yes, Slumber Party Master. Yes, great. yes. I actually really liked that one. I, uh, I liked all the Slumber Party Massacres, to tell you the truth. Um, it's... E- yeah, even part two. And part two is not that good, if you want to know the truth. But I love it. I love um, Summer Party 2. Uh, Summer Party Master 2. Huh? Yeah. It's it's actually my second favorite horror film franchise. I get, uh, um, I mean, it's good. Uh, out there. I, I love those movies. They're so much fun. Yes, yes. And, uh, and tonight's movie is very fun, too. Tonight's movie that we are discussing discussing is maniac cop and um if you guys are familiar with um maniac cop you guys know that it is about uh, a evil cop <laughs> to say the least who goes after the innocent instead of the bad people uh and uh and it was a really good movie uh it was it was released back in uh, uh 1988 on may 13th and it stars Bruce Campbell um, and Tom Atkins, who you guys will remember. I, I spoke about him last week on Two Evil Lives. So, uh, and we were we were just talking about how Tom Atkins was the '80s. I mean, and, and we can just name a whole bunch of horror movies that he was a part of, and not just horror movies. He was in action movies such as Lethal Weapon. Um, uh, what, what other, uh, action movies were, was he a part of, guys? Uh, uh, he did, uh, the, uh, it's one, uh, special delivery with, uh, I want to say it was Civil Shepherd. Oh, oh and, okay, uh, there you go. And then, uh, Bo Svensson was a soccer player. 
But I remember that one was on TV a lot when I was sick when I was little. Uh-huh. But I've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> right, right. And so, uh, I mean, Tom Atkins just did his thing, man. He, I mean, yeah. he, he has an extensive resume. And, uh, and Bruce Campbell, now, it's a shame, and I was telling you guys this before, it's a shame that he is only known for playing Ash on The Evil Dead. And I'm not saying that The Evil Dead is not good, because it is. The Evil Dead is one of the, you know, franchises that everybody goes to um, during spooky season. It's, it's one of the greats. But, but his role in Maniac Cop was actually really good. I thought that he played the heck out of this part. And I thought that it was a great movie, you know. Uh, and a good horror movie at that. It was very scary. Very, uh, I, I love the pacing of the movie as well. So I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. Uh, Lavelle, what do you think about Maniac Cop? Yeah, when, when I was first exposed to it, uh, actually I was supposed to it through the sequel, which I saw first, so it's kind of spoiled. Yeah. Really, so. <laughs> the the and, second one is actually way worse than the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a, you know, that one was more of a, you know, action horror and it uh-huh. had a particular type of pace. So I decided to go back and the tones are different. It's almost like we watch... Uh, Aliens and Alien or Terminator 2 and Terminator where the first movie is a, little, a lot darker so watching that film it was it was Maniac Cop it was very very dark uh, it was shocking because up to that point you know when you think of horror movies you're, you're watching you know Freddy, Jason those guys right you never was exposed to a, a particular cop and if, you, if you were if there was a a, a, a villain cop. He was more so, obviously, of course, he was the bad guy, but it was, there was a good cop that kind of canceled that out. Like, right. I mean, ultimately good, like Clint Eastwood was good. Right. Uh, this yeah. is the first time you're really exposed to someone in a uniform going around just taking people out. And this is, this predates, like, um, you know, Rodney King and, and with that whole period. Right, that. right. So, it was shocking yeah. to see something like that. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I agree totally. It's, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure we're going to get into our favorite kill scenes, so I don't oh, want yeah, to get too far ahead of myself, but, but I mean, you know, just the concept of it, of just this police officer and then his whole story of him being like, you know, a tough cop or a hero cop at the time, you know, who was very violent, uh, a very violent cop, but because he was, you know, going after drug pushers and, you know, bad guys, you know, what to say, people that kind of turned an eye to it. And then, you know, he went after police corruption and they sent him to jail and, um, and the movie unfolds, and this is all part of his like revenge plan, right? To bring down the force, you know. But it was, you know, 
it's a it's a good movie because it's light if you want it to be light you know it's you know yep. very entertaining you can watch as popcorn movie and it's very dark and you know it has things that are worth exploring you know our belief yes. that you know when you're in trouble run to a police officer and everyone's scared of the police officers you know right it gets leaked to the press no i i really love this movie though it yes it, i mean there's so yeah. much to it there's so much to uh un un uh, uh what am i trying to say to unpack there's so much to unpack in this movie like what <clears throat> one of the questions and we'll get to it like at the very end of the podcast but one of the questions that I asked the groupers my my group is um do you guys think that this movie will be canceled today and I, I I'm curious to know do you guys think that this movie will be canceled today because I think if they released it now they probably would not like it <laughs> they probably don't won't wouldn't want to release it because of how the cops are being um seen right now. What do you guys think about that? Do you uh Paul I'll go to you first. Uh do you think that the movie would be canceled today? I don't know cuz I mean it's more shocking now to see a good portrayal of a police officer in a movie than a bad portrayal of a police yeah. officer. Yeah. So, you know, there's that aspect to it, but I I I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if it would be I I think a lot of the subject matter hits really close to home. Yeah. Uh for a lot of people that I don't think it would be financially successful if it was remade. Um they were talking about bringing it back as a show. The guy who made the movie Drive uh talked about remaking it um as a as a TV series. Ah. But um it was going to be like done on HBO, but it's been in development for like 2 years now. Oh gosh. Yeah. And uh, with the strike, they probably won't do it now. Yeah, it's tough to say, but I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake of it. I wouldn't um, mind it either. I don't actually. know. But but uh, you know, as long as it's done for the right reasons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Enough elements of the story together to make it good. I agree with you. And of course, I I wouldn't want uh the only thing that I would be scared of if they remade this movie is that they would make it a political thing. See, back in 1988, yeah. you know, it wasn't a, a political thing. You know, they just made this movie because it was entertaining. It was an entertaining thing, but now they're beginning to politicize like everything. So, I don't that would be yeah. my fear. Yeah, I think it would just get like there's a big potential that somebody would just use it as like a pedestal to make a soapbox statement yeah. about law enforcement or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you that would be my only fear about them remaking it in this day and age. And, and what do you think, Olivelle? Uh, uh what are your thoughts? 
I don't think it will be canceled, but it, I believe it will be hugely controversial. Yeah, uh, very much so. Polit- even if they did not put the political subtext in there, it will be very, very controversial to uh, to show that. I mean, some people might just people are gonna say, "Hey, that's how it is." Then others are gonna be like, "This is like trash." It will have a lot of people, more people talking than they did in '88, because yeah. in essence, we didn't have internet. It was a B movie that you rented at your you know, it came out of theater for a short period, but you were at your local video store. Uh, word of mouth, people would talk about it or you would see commercials, but there wasn't the internet where you can have, everyone can have their opinion on what is going on. That's true. Uh, so I do think it will be more controversial. Uh, I could see them going in the direction that you stated, making it more political. Uh, and, and I think that loses the whole purpose of, of, of movies in general because even if you want to make a statement if there's a way to do that you can there i mean we, we've all watched enough movies where we know that you can put subtext in anything oh yeah. like watching robocop yeah. robocop is a political movie but it's not overly political where you like you have to make something out of it right so, or it's yeah right. um so i do think it would be a controversial film if they redid it yeah I agree with that too. It would be very controversial. Well, guys, who was your favorite character uh, in uh, Mani- uh, Maniac Cop? And uh, Mr. Kalkoff, I'll start with, start with you. Uh, uh, who was your favorite character in uh, Maniac Cop? I have, a, I have a lot of favorite characters in this. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah. But I mean, for me, I got to go for my local boy, uh, Tom Atkins as Frank McRae. Uh, first of all, Tom Atkins is at his smoothest, and he's kind of known as being a ladies' man. Yes. <laughs> you know, in his movies. And this is him, like, just, I can... you know, wooing women left and right. Uh, he is one smooth man. And he's just, you know, he's just a good guy. Yeah. You know, and... You know, he's just, you know, he's a, you know, he's a guy that, like, I would talk to if he was at a bar and I was watching a football game or something, uh-huh. like that, you know, you know, he's just, he's, he's a very, you know, tough guy and he's, you know, you know, he's, he's tough, but he's not like, you know, you know, like, uh, hardened, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just. Oh, he's, you wouldn't want to mess with know. him. He knows he's the man. You yes, know? He knows. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's definitely my favorite. Um, I I also love, like, if I'm going to pick a little character, I'm going to say I really like uh, uh, Officer Fowler, who's the guy who's about to arrest um, Teresa in the, in the commissioner's office. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. She's complaining the entire time. That's it cracks me up. He's like, you got a rotten attitude, lady. <laughs> I was like, wait, you really trying to get out of this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me the case, you know? <laughs> and and Lavelle, who was your favorite character? Uh, my favorite character, of, of course, for me, is Matt Cordell. And not because you know he's just a villain and I like villains. Uh-huh. I think he's the essence of the movie. The the actor uh, I know I messed with his name, Robert Zarr. 
he captures this, that character so perfectly. He did. Uh, that, it, that it even covers over the continuity of what they're trying to say. Because sometimes they can have, like, what, what are they really trying to, to how they're trying to portray this character. Uh-huh. But he owns it so much that, I mean, he's, he's definitely a presence. Uh, you can tell his heart was in it. I know that uh, before his death, probably years before his death, they asked him, I know he stated that he would, if they made this movie or made a sequel or remade it, he would portray the character. And it wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how much he loved that character. He owned it in the same way that, you know, a Kane Hodder owned Kingston. Yeah, or, I was just going to say. I was just going to say. Tony Todd owned Candyman. Yep. Uh, and, and, and it was a, it was a, he played that character strong enough where, I was kind of spooked as a kid watching it. In horror movies with a villain like that, normally, slasher movies normally didn't spook me like that. You know? Uh-huh. But that one was kind of like, man, this is a cop that's, he doesn't say anything. You don't know really what he's thinking. He's unpredictable. You know? And who he would take out, he was very, very unpredictable in that. You know, like, you really didn't know right. who he was going to take out and how he was going to take him out and why. He just didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it, it, and his eyes, like his eyes when he's killing somebody, and how they oh like my got God. bigger. And that I mean, was the serious part. It was, just, it was chilling, you know. Like you felt like this dude was really wanting to put the hurt on this actor, you know. Yep. And, I mean, he's just—I mean, he's just an amazing presence. One hundred percent agree with you. He was just as uh, crazy and homicidal. As, uh, like you said, um, LaVelle, uh, Kane Hodder, as Jason. So, yeah. Uh, and he did a really great job at scaring me to death. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, but, uh, and, and, but I, I agree with you, um, Paul. Um, Detective McCready, uh, not McCready, I'm sorry, McCray. I'm thinking about um the thing, <laughs> um, but no, um, but um, Detective um, um, McRae was my favorite um, uh, character. Uh, I loved his. Uh, I loved how he just kind of went after the source. You know, he he knew it was a cop, and he would not, you know, take no for an answer. He he even went to the media, you know, and uh, I mean. That turned out to be a bad idea, but <laughs> but it was the only thing that he knew to get them to listen, you know. So I, I really thought, and like you said, Paul, he's the man and he knows it. So, uh, okay, so who is everybody's least favorite character um, in um, in Many Yet Cop? And Lavelle, I'll start with you for this one. Uh, who who is your least favorite uh, character? Uh, I can't even do it justice without saying two of them. And it was Captain Ripley and uh, the commissioner who played by Richard Roundtree. They were just... Oh, yeah. Oh, just douchebags. Just terrible. Like, 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 they didn't believe nothing that was happening. They were delusional. And then you get the sense that they somehow believe it, but they plan the role and try to, you know, quiet it all uh-huh. down and say, hey, that's not what happened. Let's not do this then really it seemed like they knew what was going on but tried to pin it on uh Bruce Campbell's character anyway just to say yes. hey just he's to a guy save face. doing this he's 
we, we see he's doing he's not a faithful guy so we're going to just pin it on him and make it look just to shut everybody up right right that was just like in the long run even if this movie was like six hours long or it was a series that would never would have like been the right decision long term right (laughs) it it just kept going and that's one of the scariest things about the movie i think too like when you're watching it you're just like what if somebody thought I killed somebody right. and they just wanted to pin something on me? You know, I mean, that's horrifying. <laughs> it is. It is. And I believe that happens. Because I'm like convenient, you know? Yeah. And, and I believe that happens in real life too. I do. I do believe that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I do believe that uh, <clears throat> that there are just some police officers and some commissioners that are dark and evil like that. I really do believe that. I, 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 you know, hey, I, I really believe that there's some things that, that is based off of, you know, real life. <laughs> Not saying that Maniac Cop is, I'm just saying that some things are true to form, you know. I, I just really believe it. <laughs> and, uh, well, and Paul, how about you? Who is your least favorite character? I'm gonna say Teresa is probably my least favorite character, um, and uh, that was the other woman who's also, uh, you know, Bruce Campbell's side chick. Um, I didn't really like her story all that much. Um, yeah, and I think that maybe if the actress that portrayed that role was a little better. Yes, um, I was thinking that today. You know, it might might have worked better, but it's really the only part of the movie I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. She looks yeah. a little bit too much like Twisted Sister, so. <laughs> you know. I was thinking she wasn't a good actor. Uh, I, yeah. I, uh, again, I, I agree with you, um, Paul. I, I, I watched it again today. As a matter of fact, I have it on right now, uh, as we're discussing it. And, um, but when, when, when she screamed, I didn't, it, I don't know if, if, you know, if, if you thought so or not, Paul, but I was thinking she is totally miscast. For this role, yeah, I don't know who yeah, else. I, just, I don't know yeah, who I else could have done it, but friend she, or whatever. But she didn't. Yes, yeah, she didn't do the role justice, uh, and even in part two, because I think she did part two as well. She was a little bit better, but I, I don't know. I, in in this in this particular movie, I was thinking maybe this was her first movie or something because it it she just didn't I don't know she just didn't fit to me. You you know what I'm saying? She, um, yeah. To me, it was kind of like it was kind of like um, Urban Legend. I don't know if you guys have seen Urban Legend or not, but. Uh, to me, the um, the girl who plays the main character, the final girl that actually lived, to me, she didn't fit that role. Um, and I'm sure I was the only one that thought that. But 
Yeah, yeah. You, have, you have to actually like the pipe girl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, they, yeah, I, I can see where you come from. Where she wasn't very likable. Yeah. Like, okay, all right. It's nothing that's re- she's doing that's redeeming. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I just felt that she was miscast. I was like, what? She don't fit the role of um of this character here. And and that's kind of kind of what I was feeling t- today when I was when I was rewatching Maniac Cop. And I I was like, whoa. She really does not fit this, you know, this role. But I, it, and I'm so glad to know that it was not just me. High five, Paul. <laughs> High five. Because <laughs> I was thinking it was just me for a minute. And well, guys, what was your um, favorite scene of Maniac Cop? And uh, Lavelle, I'll go to you first with this one. Uh, what was your favorite scene? Okay, uh, outside of, uh, you know, some of the kill scenes. Yeah, outside of that. (laughs) I do think watching it, and I watched it not too long ago, watching it as an adult, I think the the whole chase scene through when they have, uh, um, what's her name, Lauren Landon, I think that's the actress name, Mm -hmm. the character y'all don't like. Lauren Landon, yeah. Yeah, Lauren Landon, when they had her character, you know, um, in the in the precinct in the holding cell and the guys were like you got the 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 the, the weird cop there <laughs> and then Cordell just comes through and starts just knocking people off. That whole chase scene to me uh-huh. I don't know why but it's 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 it's, it's hilarious to me. It's almost playing like a comedy to me. Like, like <laughs> the whole from the from the time that he that Cordell stabs the cop to the time that Cordell is on the first floor and he just grabs the guy just Got the guy in the truck and just strong arm arm the man, the police man. Bob Bruce Camp was in there. And Bruce was like, What's going on here? And he's driving with him in there. And then Cordell is actually honking a horn at people. It's, it's funny when I, when I think about it. You know, uh, I don't know why. That whole third act, because it speeds up a little bit. Right. Definitely one of my, my favorite parts. <laughs> and how about you, um, Paul? What's your um, favorite scene? My favorite scene has to be the opening. I mean, the opening to this movie is fantastic. It's one of my favorite openings. Uh, with the woman leaving the bar. Yeah. Cassie is the character's name. And um, she gets mugged by, you know, two guys. And she sees the policeman. And I'm thinking he's going to do something to the muggers. And he kills right. her. Uh-huh. <laughs> this scene was shocking, you know, because I was kind of thinking maniac cop. It's like some guy who pretends to be a police officer killing bad guys when I hear that title, you know? Right, right. And, and uh, but that opening scene, it is powerful and it's super suspenseful. It is. It and is. I also love to see where Fowler's complaining the entire time, like everyone's at the parade but me. <laughs> Right. I'm here with you and your bad attitude. <laughs> right. You're <laughs> like, man, I'm stuck here with you. <laughs> well, my favorite part is when uh is actually when um uh when Ter- Teresa was um uh um 
and she was um, acting as the call girl or as the prostitute. And uh, yeah. the the, uh, the married man was like, "Are you a cop?" And she was like, "You asked a fifty million dollar question." And he was like, "Well, I'm gonna go back home to my wife and kids, but I'll be thinking of you." <laughs> yeah, but I can't try. I can't arrest you for that. Right? Yep. <laughs> that was my favorite part. I thought that was just so hilarious. But I also liked the scene leading uh the scene after it when um when she runs into um, the maniac cop and and McCray, you know, comes at the right time and they start fighting them, you know, or, you know, exchanging gunfire towards them. I, I, I just like that whole scene. I like that. I liked it. I really liked it. Even though, you know, I, I, I still say, I still say, Paul, that she was miscast. I still say that there should have been, yeah. been another actress to play that part, uh, I think that you know. So yeah, play. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are going to take a little break, guys, and then when we get back, I'll ask you, you guys what your least favorite scene was. We'll uh, be right back after this. Do you guys love horror toys? Are you a horror collector? Well, there's a store in Allen, Texas named Elm Street Toys that sells all things horror. You can buy action figures, chucky dolls, board games, and even air freshener. Elm Street Toys is ridiculously inexpensive. You guys can get a Mezco 72 Collective Halloween 2 Michael Myers for $89.99 off of their website. Their website is www.mstreetoys.com. If you guys can't make it into, into the store, you guys can definitely go on their website and shop until you drop. Again, the name is Elm Street Toys. The location is Allen, Texas. And if you guys cannot get to the store, the website is www.elmstreettoys.com. Enjoy your horror toys. All right, guys, and we are back. And uh, okay, so um, Paul, what was your least favorite uh, scene in Maniac Cop? So this is a pet peeve of mine in a lot of movies. And um, when somebody is following somebody, and like, how does this person not know that they're being followed? <laughs> and I'm talking about when McRae is following Sally. Oh yeah. Um, to to the docks. I'm just like, there's nobody on the road at all. Right. And, like, he's making every turn. He's practically tailgating her. <laughs> like, how does she not know? Right. 
<laughs> I understand what you're saying because it's like, okay, he or she is like right behind you and you don't see him. You know, it kind of gets unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lavelle, how about you? What was your uh, least favorite scene? Uh, my least favorite scene was uh, them killing off McCray. Uh, I thought they built that character up perfectly. I understand why they did it, to, to of course, to make way for Bruce Campbell as the, right. the main protagonist. Uh-huh. I think it could have been handled a little better if, if they were going to just kill him. I, I just felt it was... I don't know. I just never liked the way they did it and the way they went about it, and and, and it just didn't. I was like, oh man, I'm here from here. <laughs> you know, it wasn't down here, but it's just that I just get that feeling like, man, come on, right? Like you gonna kill off the man? <laughs> it was shocking. I mean, it really was. Just like you know, you think that he's the hero of the movie, and then Tammy's dead. Yep. Um, but. I don't know. It feels like they did him dirty, and then they do the same thing to Bruce Campbell. I mean, he totally yep, makes and the, the best second one. credits in Maniac Cop too. Yep. Um, like it, like uh, uh, Tom Tom Atkins. Uh, I asked him about this at, at a panel that he was on. I said, and he's like, "Yeah, I ran into Bruce at one of these things." And he said, what is wrong with Bill Lustig? Like, he just kills us, like, randomly. Right. <laughs> he wasn't even, and Bruce wasn't even killed by the maniac. Well, Bruce was killed by some random. <laughs> it is crazy. But, but is it, I think it did its job by shocking us. Because, you know, it, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it was more like Rachel from Halloween Five. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Now that was shocking. And so yeah, I yes, that is the most best example that you could use, Lavelle, because uh, with Tom Atkins, you thought that he was going to be the hero. You thought that he was going to be the one to, and, and it's kind of. And if you want to use another example. Um, Drew Barrymore's character on screen, you know, yeah. they brought her in for yeah. that very reason because they knew that we were gonna think that Drew Barrymore is gonna live. She's gonna survive this whole thing. Wrong. <laughs> so yeah, and then, and then even goes back to Psycho. I mean, um, you know, the original uh, with when they killed off. Um, yeah, uh, Janet Lee. Uh, Marion. Or Jane Lee's character, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like in the middle of the movie. That's what this felt like, was was that scene all over again. Like, mm-hmm. just a random, you know, like, the guy I'm following for the movie, and I'm rooting for. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence about two-timing dudes, so, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I was rooting. I mean, Tom Atkins was just a smooth operator. I mean, you know. It's also the way they did it. I, I felt like it's too about the wind. It's like it, it wasn't a. I, I was maybe I was too much and expecting something more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it was like, they threw about the window, and then all of a sudden the next morning, it's like, oh yeah, detective died. 
Oh, right, you know, like, like yeah, it's, it's like, kind of <laughs> the line's more dramatic than the death. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, when that happened, I'll tell you this: I watched this with a friend who had never seen this before. At one point, it's like, what did the movie run out of money? You know, <laughs> you throw your leading man out the window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Well, my least favorite scene was when um, the the woman killed the cop. I didn't oh, like that scene. That's, oh yeah, my gosh, that was so sad to me. It, I mean, and the woman was, I mean, and she was legit scared, I guess. You know, she, she said that she was scared. You know, he he went to pull her over. You know, so I, I and, and that was why I said, you know, it turned out for it to be be a bad idea to go to the press because now when you go to the press, you have all these people who are scared, who have guns now, and you know, if the cop pulls them over, it it lights out for that cop. You know, so. So yeah, yeah, I I didn't like that scene very much, uh, and that's why I kind of think today in today's world, you know, it, it would kind of probably be canceled because we will we would have all these people that would be you know using that as an excuse. Not that it's it not that they should, you know. But they, but people will be using that as an excuse, you know. Oh, you know, cops are bad. Cops are this or, or that, you know. And you know, yeah, that's the only reason why I feel like it will be canceled today, for that very reason. Because that woman, I mean, that woman was like, "Well, you're not gonna get me." Bam, you know, just shoots him without. He didn't even say anything. She didn't give him a chance. So, yeah, that's why I didn't like that scene. Uh, let's see. And the next question I have is, uh, okay, whose death kill scene was uh, was your favorite, uh, the most creative um, death scene, in your opinion, or your favorite um, death, death scene, either or, or maybe you have, you know, both, a creative death scene and a favorite death scene. And, and uh, Paul, I'll go to you first. What was your um, favorite creator, either creative kill scene or just favorite death in general? Um, well, my uh, creative kill was um, uh, the uh, was the death of uh, the death of uh, Matt Cordell. Um, mm-hmm. Now he comes back in the sequels, but. Uh, uh, I don't know him getting impaled and then driving into the dock into the Hudson with an open wound. Um, you know the Hudson River. Yeah, it's just pretty filthy. You know, <laughs> um, you know, like there's no. He should either come back with superpowers or not come back at all. Right. Uh, with that type of injury. Uh huh. But um, that was. Uh, uh, I think that was. That was my uh, pick for most creative. Um, my favorite uh, was your least favorite, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, I think the woman killing the uh, the innocent police officer who pulled her over uh-huh. um, was probably the most creative one because 
it made you question, you know, how society gets in these bloodlust, you know, ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, due to the media driving people crazy, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that was probably uh, my uh, my uh, favorite. Right. Uh, was the one where it's just like, you know, what are we doing to ourselves? You know. Yeah, it it, it, it makes you think. That that's for sure. Yep. 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 And uh, Lavelle, how about you? Who would? Uh, what was your uh, most creative kill? and or your uh, favorite kill in general? So, the kill I thought was, was creative to me, the most creative one was, was uh, when Matt Cordell uh, stuffed the dude's head in the cement. Yeah. And then the aftermath <laughs> of it, and drilling him out the day, yep. <laughs> day later, like they left him there, handcuffed him, and then, you know, drowned him in the, in the cement. And it, it was interesting, because I think I... That's kind of a scary thought. And then I think I, we, we talk about Lethal Weapon. I think something like that happened in one of the Lethal Weapon movies where they threw somebody in semen and buried them. Yeah, there. I think it that wasn't was like the crazy. first one. I think it was uh, the first one. It was one of them. And um, mm-hmm. the, my favorite kill is definitely uh, when he killed the, uh, the boyfriend in the car. The good guy was kissing on the girl. Oh, yeah. He, uh, I guess he might have been drunk, uh-huh. and then Cordell, you know, he he bangs on the window, um, and he kind of toys with him a little bit, a little bit, which shows that he's not just a mindless, you know, killer or a zombie or anything like that. So he toys with him and leads him, you know, out to the, you know, front of the car. And had to do doing a sobriety check, <laughs> and oh. then he reveals that the, you know, his knife stick is actually a dagger inside you know right I've never seen anything like that before so then, <laughs> and then he leaves the woman alive so the woman can tell everybody that he exists which i thought this is a, this is an intelligent villain so um that was that that was my favorite <laughs> well jeremy thank you for joining us i just got out the movies and broke free <laughs> baby david and a domestic supervisor <laughs> well, uh, uh, listeners uh, and my guest Jeremy has joined us. Uh, uh, Jeremy was supposed to be here, but he I uh, he had to uh, take his girls to the movies, but now he's here. Oh my goodness! Um, Friday night, family, family night. Skin me alive if they don't see me on Friday. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you took them to the movies. Uh, uh, what movie did you go see? Uh, they wanted to see the Ninja Turtles again. Oh. Well, if they wanted to go see, they were thinking about Camp Hideout, and I said I'd rather be cash fed with one rock rocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, Jeremy, since we have you here, uh, what um uh, what do you think about Maniac Cop? Uh, so, how long ago has it been since you've seen it? A lot of symbolism, a lot of symbolism with respect to what is justice, what is, um, I guess the best way I can say it is he's more of a, I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero, so to speak. I mean, his story is actually quite sad. It talks about the failure of the police department, the hypocrisy of the police department, 
or at least the tyranny of villains. I mean, there's a lot that's stacked in this movie. My actual favorite kill was Cordell because it was more poetic justice. I mean, something he believed strongly in but being a corrupt cop, he ended up dying or getting killed in prison or at least mangled in prison, ultimately coming back to haunt everybody. So he was my favorite kill. Oh, okay. Okay. The actual... The actual main character's kill was my favorite kill, at least how it was done. His face was scarred, uh, reminds us of me. Obviously, you saw Maniac Cop when he was still alive, and then he became Maniac Cop the zombie, who was basically a decomposing corpse as the series went on. Right, right. Yeah, uh, Paul was saying how um, his, his favorite kill was when he got impaled. Uh, it was at the end, right, Paul? Yeah. When he got impaled, yeah. Yeah, that still didn't kill him. Impaled while driving and and then into the Hudson River. (laughs) Yeah. For the second time, because that's how, if you remember Bruce Campbell's character in the very beginning, uh, I think it was Maniac Cop 1, or no, it was Maniac Cop 2, but he was actually a zombie, or at least he came back as a zombie. Uh, That was, yeah, Maniac Cop 2 had Bruce Campbell in it. Yes, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and part one, you know, Bruce Campbell was in the first one too, so, yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, Jeremy, who was your favorite character, um, in, uh, Media Cup? I get, I'm guessing it's, uh, anything Bruce Campbell is, he's gonna be my favorite. I don't, Bruce Campbell could be the janitor. He, he was, you know, the maitre d' in Spider Man. Whatever he's in, he was one of my favorite characters, so. Uh huh. <laughs> I would have to say, but again, I saw oddly enough, I saw more Maniac Cop two in the continuing series than the actual. I saw the first one once, and I saw the continuing series more than once when he was a zombie. That's probably the reason why I only remember him in Maniac Cop two. Right. When they had the actual um the uh, the truck chase scene when they were on the pier or whatnot, and he actually you, you actually get a chance to see Cordell's face for the first time. When he's a zombie, I mean, his nose chopped off, proposed. Uh-huh. And when you're a kid, I think I, I might have been nine, ten, eleven. I'm not gonna say I was traumatized, but probably shouldn't have seen that. But <laughs> right, it's, it's burned. I mean, it's burned in my skull right now. So right, right. Well, who was your uh, least favorite character, uh, Jeremy? I don't really have too many least favorite characters in B movies. Okay. There's, I mean, to, to be quite honest, I mean, there's always going to be somebody who's a step above. There's going to be your leader, your hero, protagonist versus your, your antagonist, so to speak. And in B-movies, I mean, what you see is what you get. It's kind of, it's okay, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. After a certain point, let's say you've got the top five characters, everybody's pretty much shitty in a B-movie. Uh-huh. Excuse me, if that makes sense. Like, everybody is either real shitty in a movie or they just play their role well, so. Right. That's, one. that's yeah. true. That's true. Well, um, well, my favorite uh, kill is um, actually um, <clears throat> what did I have for it down? Oh yeah, uh, Lavelle, the your kill, <laughs> the kill that you said, that was the creative kill for me and my most favorite kill because because <laughs> I just thought that it was so creative that they you know just drowned this man in the cement and i just thought that it was really cool 
that's why it's also my favorite kill too. <laughs> You're breaking up, sweetie. You said the drowning scene. Yes. Um. The um. When he um uh pushes the man's head in the cement. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's my favorite kill scene and my favorite creative kill scene as well. I don't know. I, I kind of like how Bruce Campbell went out. Very quiet, but I mean, that's. I'm, I'm sorry, he went out later. I I confused the two. That's on me. Yeah. Oh no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was um part <coughs> two. But but the no. Funny is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say uh, that that's quite all right. Uh, I I know I know you got them mixed up. That's all right, but um, but but no. Uh, uh, the the guy. I mean, even though it was kind of a random kill, because you know this guy just came on the scene. You know, he just came out of nowhere. He was walking to his car, and then all of a sudden, the maniac cop just hones in on him. You know. And I guess it was because he was an innocent, you know, he was an innocent bystander, and that's why he set his eyes on him. Bloodlust. Yeah. It's a bloodlust. I mean, the, the whole scene behind it. If you if you've ever seen a back scene or, or a behind the scenes interview of Robert Zadar, the guy who plays Maniac Cop, he's always known for that square jaw. He said, I mean, eventually the movie sort of moved up to him literally killing everybody. It went from select kills or vengeance as far as those people that failed him, as far as him still feeling like he was doing his job with the criminal element, but also getting back to the police department that failed him or at least betrayed him. He said eventually he just moved up to more of a bloodlust and started killing everybody. And that extends to two, three, and I think four, all up to four for the continued series. So that was the start of his bloodlust. Just like you said, yeah. a rando kill, but that was the start of him basically taking everybody out and wanting to be alone. Right. Right. All right. Well, we move on to my last question, which is my deep question. Uh, how does many yet cop pertain to the Bible? And uh, I'll go first for this one, guys. Um, th- uh, the scripture that I came up with for this movie um, pertaining to the Bible um, it has to do with the devil. Um, see, Macrodell turned into a monster with no conscience and no remorse and didn't care about people's innocence. He wanted them gone. He might, he wanted them gone, you know, uh, kind of like the devil. He, the de- devil doesn't want us to be, to thrive or be happy, or he doesn't want us to, um, live in peace either um the devil um gets off on our unhappiness so the scripture i decided to write down is um john 8 and 44. um it says you are of your father the devil um and your will is to do your father's desires uh he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he uh, when he lies, he spe- he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And, and I picked this scripture because the maniac cop was murdering the innocent, just like the devil does. So, 
that's what I that's what I wrote down for that question. And and uh, um, now you guys do not have to answer this question if you guys don't have an answer for it. Um, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Paul, if you don't have an answer for it, you definitely do not have to um, answer. But I, I actually I, do. You do? Oh my gosh! Okay, I would love to hear it. So I picked two verses, or whatever was actually my favorite verse from the Bible. Um, the first one, uh, I did Luke 12, 2, what's done in the dark will come to the light. Oh, and nice. the second one is Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the dark forces, and the heavenly places. And I think that the story of Mania Cop is about what happens when we give power to the wrong people and that corruption will always come uh, out, uh, that it'll always be exposed. <coughs> Excuse me, it's allergy season for me up here. Oh, yeah. <coughs> but, but those were what I picked is that Mania Cup is about injustice, whether it be the injustice that he did when he was a police officer who was a violent man, not giving people their rights to have a fair trial, <coughs> to the injustice he faced by being sent to prison to be killed, which... <coughs> Excuse me for one second. I just need to take a sip of water. Oh, yes, sir. Please do. Okay. And then, um, you know, and then the injustice of uh, Bruce Campbell being a fall guy because it's convenient. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like, in, you know, um, so that's that's where I, where, what I came up with for this. Yes. Oh, all right. All right, and uh, uh, Lavelle, how about you? Um, how what's your opinion um, on if it pertains to the Bible? Yeah, I also thought of uh, it was two, it's two passages that I think could apply. Uh, the first one is um, it's in Job, Job one, where where Satan is roaming, you know, back and forth, you know, doing what he does. Here, the angels appear to, to, to God, to present themselves to God. Yeah. And God noticed that Satan's with them. He says, where do you come from? Now, the interesting thing about this scripture is that even the angels did not, only God could see Satan or see that he was with them. Satan came disguised as an angel to God, and even the angels didn't recognize that they were among Satan. Um, so um, sometimes we have to be you know, careful about uh, what people appear to be, you know, whether they're police officers, teachers, you know, people in church. Yes. Uh, you have to test the spirit and, and, and see that they are what they are, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, and this, and what I like about this movie is, is that it does blur that line where just, just because you seem to be a good a cop, that doesn't make you just automatically good. You know, uh, and then when you look at the, some of the characters in the movie, they're not, you know, even McCray's character, he's 
close to a psych eval, but he's the good guy. So there's something in there that within his heart is good. Right. You have Bruce Campbell, you know, he's stepping out on his wife, but he decides to, from then on, to do the right thing as the movie progresses. So it also applies to uh, the passage in Mark where it says it's not, it's the things that's within you that that defies us. It's not the thing that's outside of us. So when, when we talk about Matt Cordell, the character, um, even when he's talked about in a positive light as a good guy, as a good cop, those seeds are still there that he was, you know, it was something inside of him that was eventually going to come out. Uh, right. And it came out in the worst possible way. So it shouldn't have been surprising to anyone, you know. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's how I think it applies. Yeah. Yep. And, and Jer- Jeremy, how how do you feel um, it could pertain to the Bible, huh? Okay, baby girl, I got two verses for you, but I'm going to need you to read them. Otherwise, you'll be talking about me on the next podcast and not the best. <laughs> so uh, do this for me, darling. Yes, sir. Uh, one verse for as far as Matt Cordell, good cop, Matt Cordell, read Isaiah 6 and 8. It's also tattooed on my arm. It's called the verse for the soldier or verse for the officer or serviceman. So would you read that one first? Yes, sir. Isaiah 6 and 8. Let me let yes. me get there. Let me get there. Um, it says, uh, the the K, uh, the King James Version says, um, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Yes. So if we think about Mark Cardell as far as being a good officer, good cop at one point, he took I me, mean, maybe he took his job way too seriously, but he's a firm believer in justice. He himself embodied that verse as far as, hey, this is what my job is. Eventually, he became an agent of death, though. Mm-hmm. So, and at I mean, obviously, he died. So, prior to him dying, though, he did, I mean, he was, for the most part, a good cop. Maybe a little on the abusive side, maybe a little on the rough side, but he felt like it was his duty. Mm-hmm. Above all, justice, even if it kills him or them in that case. So mm-hmm. now we transit to First Corinthians fifteen and twenty-one. I want you to read that for me. Okay, First Corinthians fifteen and twenty-one. Uh, fifteen twenty-one. Uh, it it says. Uh, and this one is the New International Version. It says, um. For since death came through a man, the resur- the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So when we think about his resurrection, he became an angel of death. Not only did he go around killing people and then he started killing randoms, he also came back to kill the people he felt like failed him and pled revenge on them. Mm-hmm. They killed him. And they were responsible for him. They didn't keep him dead, number one. So they were responsible for him when he came back alive to make sure he was still unalive again. Mm-hmm. But the big problem came in where, yeah, he had the responsibility. Well, they had the responsibility to base, to wipe him out or at least stop him. And because they didn't stop him, they didn't stop his rampage. Look what happened. He was resurrected to something worse. Right. So when I think of those, I put those two. 
two verses together. On the one hand, he felt like this is duty, and he went to his call of duty. But then he went to his call of duty and went a little too far from that call of duty because he went a little too far. That evil that was embedded inside of him, which is reminded of Satan, Satan never truly dies. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, death never truly dies. Mm-hmm. Death never truly dies. The living die. Death doesn't. It's ongoing. It's the only guarantee any of us have in this life. The problem is, like the like said, once that bad seed is planted, does it really die? This is an example of a seed that just did not, a seed of evil that did not die. Why? And essentially, exact revenge, which represented sloth. Not sloth, wrath. Rather. Wrath, yeah. It represented wrath. Definitely one of the seven deadly sins. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So that's how I look at it. If I had to look at two verses with respect to this, I'd definitely look at that. But again, my, my opinion. Oh, oh, right, right. Well, guys, we have to take uh, another another little break. But when we get back, we'll be on uh, because I'm all out of questions anyway. We will be doing the five fun facts. We'll be right back after this. Hello, Warriors. We are back. And um, and since we all have gotten a chance to uh, uh, answer the last question, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the five fun facts, guys. Uh, these are some interesting five fun facts. And, and Paul, you, uh, maybe, uh, maybe your um, professor told you some things that maybe I wrote down. And you can, you can tell me if he did. Uh, but um, my first fun fact is um, actor Robert Zadar, who played the maniac, of course, we've been talking about him. Sorry, I went through a bad area. Oh, that's okay, Jeremy. That's all right. I kind of thought so. Uh, but um, the first fun fact is actor Robert Zadar, who played the maniac cop, worked as a police officer in real life for the Chicago Police Department. Did you guys know yep. that? I didn't know that. The actual city. Yeah. That's why he, yeah. knew, the, he knew the terrain. They found an actual police officer. And oh. a security guard, too. Oh, or, uh, really? Or See, I did not know that. LaBelle, did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did not yeah, know was, that. I knew, he was a, I knew he was a cop at one point. He was a police officer in Chicago. Oh, my God. Paul, did you know that? I did not, and I really enjoy Robert Zadar. Yeah. And one of my favorite bad movies to watch is Samurai Cop. A lot of, a lot of good B-rated movies with him in it, just in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's doing a lot of <laughs> And, uh... Guys, he was dude. Uh, what'd you say? He's huge. I mean, he's a big... Like, oh, yeah, he was. Big, he was a big, big guy. Bodybuilder. I mean, he's the guy is juiced. Oh my gosh, yes. You know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Andre the Giant. Oh. No, he's not that big. I mean, he's about a good he's a good 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but just yeah. bodybuilder, just a very unsmall man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, my fun fact number two is the coroner was William Lustig's, the director. The director is uh, on William Lustig. Uh, the cor coroner was William Lustig's real life doctor. Uh, yeah, who knew? <laughs> um, my, my fun fact number three is um, given a, this, this movie was given a limited theatrical release in the U.S. at Grindhouse Theaters and Midnight Movie Showings. Despite failing to recoup the costs, the video rights sales um, shot through the roof due to the huge demand for horror-related films for the U.S. and foreign video rental market. This ultimately led to two sequels being made driven almost exclusively by demand from the retro from the video rental market and my uh fun fact number four is both bruce campbell and robert zadar they have had the nickname the chin <laughs> they both have that nickname because they both have big chins yeah <laughs> And my fun fact number five is, although the film is set in New York City, it was only shot there for three days. And now we move on to the uh, the cast and crew that has passed on, and we have quite a we have quite a few uh, that has passed on, guys. Um, uh, Larry Cohen, who is the writer, who uh. uh we actually discussed them. I can't believe I can't remember if we discussed them before the podcast or during the first part of the podcast, but we did discuss them. Uh, he passed away on March twenty third, two thousand nineteen, due to cancer, and he was eighty two years old. Uh, William Smith, who plays Captain Ripley, he passed away on July fifth, twenty twenty one due to Alzheimer's disease, and he was 88 years old. And he worked up until 2020, and he started in the 1940s. Really? So his career was 60 years long, and it was pretty consistent. Wow. That's... He, uh, he did the voice acting for, uh, like, one of his second movie that he was in, was uh, Ghost of Frankenstein, a Universal Monsters movie. Mm. He was a child actor. Oh, my gosh. And that reminds me of, I mean, he's not as old as um, as uh, William Smith, uh, but but it reminds me of Kurt Russell. Because Kurt Russell was a child yeah. actor. Did you guys know that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah he was in, like, he some commercials yeah that, uh, that's wow and, and he he worked up until 2020. yeah he worked up until 2020. um yeah. he had like small parts um he did a lot of voice acting work towards the end of his life in 2018 he voiced a video game called wanted oh my god and, uh, yeah, but he, uh, yeah, he was, I mean, his career was like 60 years long. Yeah. And, and you know, I, 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 I happen to love classic movies, uh, Paul. 
And I just, oh my, oh my gosh, that would be so great to see. Uh, I'm going to see if if I can see any of his old movies on Tubi. Because, you know, I know Tubi has a lot of classic movies. I'm going to check and see if I can see um, any of his, his movies on there. Because I, I love uh, classic movies. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, the maniac cop himself, Robert Zadar, who we have been talking about, he passed away. On March 30th, 2015, due to cardiac arrest, and he was he was 64 years old. He was 64. Um, Cherie North, uh, who plays Sally Nolan, she passed away on November 4th, 2005, due to complications from cancer uh, surgery. From cancer, uh, I guess she had cancer, and she was having some type of surgery for it. And she passed away. Uh, she was 73 years old. Um, Dan Hicks. He was the squad leader. He passed away on June 30th, 2020 due to cancer. And he was 68 years old. Um, Eric Holland. He plays Dr. Gruber. He passed away on April 6, 2020. No cause of death was given. But he was 86 years old. Uh, Jake Lametta, uh, he plays um, a detective. Uh, he pa passed away on September 19, 2017, due to complications from pneumonia, and he was 95 years old. Yeah, that's Jake Lametta, the uh, the raging bull. Yep, which played by Robert yep. De Niro. Robert De Niro. Oh. Yeah, it's his story. Rough and tough. Oh, wow. Yep. Now, that is neat, too. I, I never knew that. Uh, Judy, Judy Levitt, uh, she plays the woman in the car. She passed away on December 9th um, of last year, 2022. No cause of death was given, but she was 83 years old. Um, Frank Pat, uh, Pessy, I think that's the same, Frank Pessy. He plays the Watchman. He passed away on February 6th of last year, 2022, due to complications from dementia. He was 75 years old. Uh, Bernie Pock, he plays Sam. He passed away on June 5th, 1996, due to AIDS, and he was only 33 years old. Uh, Jefferson Richard, uh, he plays the witness. He passed away on July 10th, 2021. No cause of death was given, but he was 74 years old. Uh, Patrick Wright, he plays the prison guard. He passed away on December 9th, 2004. No cause of death was given, but he was 65 years old. Yeah. Uh, George Buck Flower. He plays the old man. Now, George Buck Flower, he's been in a lot of movies, too. He was, I mean, I, I've done a lot, a, a lot of movies that Buck Flower has been a part of. Uh, he passed away on June 18th, 2004, due to cancer. And he was 66 years old. Uh, Ron Helmstrom, he was the building superintendent. 
he passed away on January 21st to uh, uh, this year, 2023. Uh, no cause of death was given, but he was 74 years old. Uh, Jefferson Richardson, he was the co-producer. He died on July 10th, 2021. No cause of death was given, but he was 74 years old. And Gino Hayden, he was the, he did the editing. He passed away on April 29th, 2016, due to complications after a stroke. And he was 75 years old. And that's, that's it. Nobody believing no more. They're all dead. <laughs> well, almost all of them. A lot of them are still alive. Still alive. Bruce <clears throat> Campbell is still alive. Tom Atkins Ooh. is still alive. Um, uh, Marine... Bruce still alive. Yes, we know. But I'm just saying, like, Lord, girl. <laughs> and, and once I go down that rabbit hole, I just can't stop. <laughs> Yeah, and just reading too, like George Buck Flowers, who's the he was the drunk in Back to the Future. When Marty it, came back. Yeah. He's like drunk driver. I'm I am i am telling you, he, he's another one that was the eighties because he was on a lot. He was on They Live, which I, I did do a um episode of They Live too. He was on a, a Buck Flower was on he's been on a lot. Okay. I I've done, a lot of bit parts. A lot of big parts. He kind of reminds me of um, uh, the man who was on Demon Knight, uh, Dick Miller. Yep. Dick Miller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dick Miller was another one. Uh, and now we move on to my grouper's reaction. Uh, and um, uh, I, I asked my groupers, um, uh, has anyone seen the horror movie Maniac Cop? And did you guys like it at all? And did it scare you when you first saw it? Um, do you think it would be canceled if it was released today? Uh, what was your favorite scene in Maniac Cop? And and um, I got 18 um, comments. I'll, um, I'll read off three. Um, Miss Ingrid Hubert, that, who was supposed to be on tonight, but she couldn't make it. She um, has stuff come up. Uh, she says... Latrice, I remember the first scene where the woman who was leaving work after being asked if she needed a ride, and she said she'd rather take her chances with the muggers, most likely regretted that decision. She, she goes on to say, she said not only did she escape them, however, ran into the arms of the maniac cop. And to top things, <laughs> and to top things off, the muggers watched as she met her demise as the maniac cop broke her neck as he dangled her with her feet as they swayed. What a cruel and crazy way to die. By her own words, mind you. <laughs> that that's that is crazy. That's pretty ironic. Uh and then um I'll read on uh, Adrian Garza's um answer. He says, I have a hard time with movies that look like they're based on real life. It's like the cops today saw this and made it present day, uh, and made it present day reality. It was released. If it was released today, I think it definitely be banned. And and that's why you know I asked you guys. You know, do do you guys think that it will be canceled, Jeremy? I didn't ask you that though. Do you think that it will be canceled today if it was made today? 
Um, no. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think that would be one of the acceptable medias. And again, oh. I don't. I don't think it crosses any boundaries. Like you can't. I mean, for terminology when it comes to LGBT IA plus community now, it didn't really. It didn't really scratch the surface on any of that to some degree. I mean, or at least nothing that's extraordinarily offensive. They didn't use a lot of uh, racial slurs. No, uh, they didn't. Racial offenses that people would be more sensitive about. I mean, and really and truly, the only, it only touches on a cop that pretty much loses his mind and kills everybody. I mean, there's kind of, I mean, hell, they got, <laughs> I mean, there's real stories and real yeah. accounts for that. But for the most part, I would say no. Oh. I just, I don't, think, I don't think it touches on enough to where somebody would say, I'm, I'm completely offended like the red cup at Starbucks. No, it's just not going to happen. Right, right. I understand what you're saying. And then, then uh, the third, uh, the third one that I read is um, Rafi Archangel. I think that's his name, Rafi Archangel. Uh, he says, "I've seen that uh, blockbuster video centuries ago. <laughs> I find, I all of a sudden feel really, really old uh, saying that." <laughs> he says, "I've seen that a uh, blockbuster video." First of all, we haven't seen a blockbuster video in I don't know how long. There's actually one that's still left. Really? Yep, yes. it's on the East Coast. It's like, it, it, I, I want to say it's New Hampshire or something like that. There's one. Wow. They have the one, the one that's left. And they said, believe it or not, we, we have the only or one of two something like that blockbuster videos that's actually left. It's still open. Wow. That's a that's a hell of a claim. I mean, just saying blockbuster video in general. Probably. Yeah. I'm Far telling you, that makes me feel older than what I really am. My gosh. Uh, but yeah, but he, but then he goes on to say, I, I, I've seen that at blockbuster video centuries ago. <laughs> so that makes me feel old too. <laughs> and he, But he says he never had the opportunity to watch it. So I'm telling you, go to Tubi. Tubi has everything almost, it seems. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, well, guys, we have come to the end of my podcast. Um, I don't have any more questions, no more five fun facts, and, and uh, no more uh, cast and crew that's passed away. And I'm only reading off three um, groupers' reactions. But, uh I thank you guys so much for being here. Jeremy, I'm so glad that you could make it. Uh, 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 even though you were late, you, you, listen, you still made it. So that is, that's great. That, that's great. And uh, uh, Paul, I'm so glad that you came. I, I hope you have fun, Paul. I did. Thank, oh, my goodness. I, I look forward to seeing you again. Slumber Party Massacre Three. Yes, I cannot wait for that. That oh my goodness, and that is a good good one too. That is a now that is a popcorn movie if I ever saw one. And, and I I kid you not if I if I if I owned a drive-in, there would be a, a weekend where uh uh every uh, on a Saturday you know I would play the uh Slumber Party Massacre uh series 
Because that that's just a good popcorn movie. It is. It, it's one of my absolute favorite. Favorite. It's my favorite franchise. Yes. Uh, oh, and uh, Sorority House Massacre is a part of that, too. You, you've seen those yeah. movies, yes? Yes. Yes. Those are a part of it, so... <laughs> Yes, but um, and, and Lavelle, I, I hope uh, I, I th- think you signed on for another one too this this uh, season, have you? Didn't you? I yes, I did. I, I know it's it's next month. I can't remember exactly which one it was. It was some I was trying to get in on. I didn't stand in time, but I think it might have been uh, uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Six. Yes, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yep, there, there it is. Yes. That one? Huh? That's my favorite episode, Tracy. That is my favorite. Friday and Saturday. Well, then, remember? Yeah, well, you can hop on in. Come on. I'll push you in. You can uh, come in, Jeremy. Of all, of all movies. Of all movies. Oh, my God. That's, well, that's my favorite. That's I, I try. six and seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, seven just happens to be mine. I, I, I did I not. I didn't, I mean, I, I like part six, don't get me wrong, but it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite one. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just because Jason had a utility bill. That was kind of funny. <laughs> that's, that's, literally, that's, that's literally the, the, the fun. I mean, they had some fun, quirky, like, yeah, this is absolute bullshit. But you know what? Hey, we're going to roll with it. And, and they changed yeah, the trajectory of, yeah, they changed the trajectory of horror films up to oh, that point. You just took it seriously, and they were like, you know what? You know what it is. We just going to have some fun. Well, no, there's like part it. seven, Lavelle. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, okay, so now we're going into telekinesis. Not only do we have a magic zombie that comes back and can literally take hordes and hordes and hordes of punishment and come back and kill everybody, which is pretty much unstoppable. Now we've got a damn telekinetic <laughs> that pretty much was his match. So, like, a 105-pound girl. You know, beats a 250-pound zombie. <laughs> Damn near to a pulp. And unmasks him. Yep, yep. And see, but see, that was, that was why it was my favorite one. Because I had that girl beat him. <laughs> yes, he, he was surprised. Yeah, even he was surprised when the mask came out. He was like, what the? I know, he said, wait a minute, man. Oh, God. I love the opening of part six. It's one of my favorite openings. Look at, look at him, oh, man. This should have been over with a long time ago. What is happening? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, part yeah, yeah, yeah. was absolutely hilarious for that reason. Yeah, blame it on Tommy. <laughs> yes, right. yes. But Tommy wasn't, Tommy wasn't in part seven. No, no not part, part seven, seven, part six. The opening of part six. Oh, yeah, yeah, for part six. Oh, yeah. what? He just had about it. Okay, <laughs> the first one before. The problem I have is, Okay, the dumbest plot in part six, which I understand, Tracy, why? Because the whole Jason list. Why not just throw a damn hand grenade down in that damn in the the casket? Who's going to know? Boom. Or a lighter. Let's just go ahead and light him in the heart with a a weather main so lightning can strike him, bring him back to life, and he can punch out my friend's heart. No, no, we don't just throw two hand grenades in there, which would be fun, and watch this dude splatter all over the place and blow up like the Hindenburg. No. Let's watch him stay home. It's funny, and, and Jeremy. It's funny because they actually did try that. It uh, was in the Halloween Four, and he, Michael Michael Myers just happened to escape it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <that's funny. laughs> 
Yeah. And I always thought that was odd, like the, the police officers throwing dynamite and something. Like, man, y'all just no evidence. Man. Right. <laughs> right. Just like we're just gonna we're gonna eviscerate this dude. Like, wait, wait a minute, you using wait a dynamite. Uh, speaking of Halloween 4, I'm going to have to put that on tonight. Oh, my goodness. I love Halloween 4. That's my favorite. Now, that's my favorite Halloween. That was one of the saddest ones, though. Halloween 4, Halloween 5, when that little girl, remember how Loomis was looking up the steps and he's just screaming out, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Because she pretty much, I mean, she pretty much converted or Oh, yeah. He was like, no, no. I'll never forget. We were so damn broke back in the day. Like, I think our cable went out, and, like, we ended up having this red screen, and we had snow static. So I'm looking at the damn screen, and Loomis is screaming an image, and I didn't know what he was screaming at for, for years until we get our shit together and get the screen fixed. So uh-huh. I said, oh, oh, man. I think I finally saw it on VHS, but yeah, would be like, damn, I can't see a thing. Like, well, who was he screaming at? Uh-huh. And then I realized when I finally saw the the, the the last image of part four, I said, man, that's just, that's just sad. Yeah, it was. But she was supposed to be the killer in part five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she did uh, say uh, Danielle Harris did, did tell that story. She was going, they were going to write that, but then they decided not to. So. Yeah. yeah. The most recent Halloween was horrible. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be, uh, you want to be courageous. Well, there is a, a YouTube video where it's, I think it's titled "Unmade Halloween Sequels," uh, and I think they delve into what that sequel was supposed to be, the one after. Oh, really? But they kept rejecting it. They kept rejecting it for some reason, which I thought was, was very, very interesting. It probably would have been, it, it would have been controversial too. But it's interesting the different number of like uh, ideas that was thrown out there because I think it was more than one idea they said in there. Uh, so it's interesting. I, I YouTube a lot of stuff, you know. I just yeah, so, so do I. Just the idea that they thought, you know what? Let's put Michael Myers in a damn scrap scrapyard shredder, or at least a junkyard shredder, and, and bust him over real quick to make sure he just never comes back, like. I think everybody in some degree has thought about that, and nobody's thought about that at the same damn time. Like, how did they come up with that? Like, yeah, let's make sure he don't come back at all. No head chopping, no dynamite, no committing him. Let's just put his ass in the trash compactor. <laughs> y'all, I mean, come on now. Tell me y'all to say, you know what? I probably thought about doing something like that to him. Of course. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to do it. And I think I, I think the reason why they did it that way is because there was always a rumor that there was a contract stating that they couldn't kill him off, and they wanted to say, "Hey, we can do whatever we can do if we want to." Here you go. <laughs> and they said, "This bastard got to die now. Forget it." <laughs> oh yeah, but, gosh. Uh, I don't want to get into that. that. That's a sore spot. Yeah, me. yeah. Like, me too, though. Like, I do not. End I, I, listen. Like that. I mean, the, 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 in totality, I think. The saddest part about that particular film is if you take out the ending of him dying, right? And let's say he lives or whatever. That could have worked better as a, a movie before that or earlier in the series. Yeah. Or even the first film where they're trying to bring him back and he's bringing him back to strength. It would have worked a lot better. Or even if, if you're going to do something like that, leave that out on the idea that Corey becomes the shape. 
they don't even sell out that idea. They they go seventy percent in, and then oh, he's not that strong either. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me was like he's he's not at full strength, and some nerd who just comes out of nowhere, uh, basically becomes him or has a desire to. However, these writers work that out. Like he somehow possessed his mind to become him or do him, and he is strong enough to basically hold him. Yeah. Behind a damn brick wall, and after that, like he just wasn't the same Mike Myers. Maybe he needed all ten fingers. Who knows? But one way or another, it kind of sucks. Yeah. So, Paul, Paul. So I, I know I, 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 I can't say anything about Halloween ends because no, 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 I no, no, no. don't like to say bad things. I, I have nothing good to say. No, about no, no, that no, 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 no. We, I'm not gonna ask you to do any of that. I'm, I'm just saying, as a, as someone who's aspiring to to write. No, sometimes, and I'm not going to even talk about this. Stop, you look at a certain thing, you're like, I know you have moments of where you doubt, like, am I as good as this? But then there's things that happen where you're like, well, I could have did a way better job than this. This is why I failed. This is why this worked. This is why this didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the entire David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done that a million times better. <laughs> Well, it's like I can I can do so much better than this. <laughs> like, I mean, I can't do Maniac Cop, but I can do the Halloween <laughs> right. the David Gordon Green Halloween. Yes, yes. I, I think a local drunk could have done a better job writing that last Halloween story. Oh my gosh! And I would watch either one of those too. I I would, <laughs> because I I agree I with Lavelle. Watch. I agree with Lavelle and Jeremy and you, Paul. It sucks, and yeah, yeah. I, 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 I Halloween people dies really sucks because all of a sudden we got the drop on him. We bashing this dude with two by fours. I mean, we giving him a straight L.A. Compton style beat. I'm talking <laughs> about Detroit Alley Apple getting hit, and somehow, some way, he manages to get up. And subdue, if not maim, one of several people. If I'm getting yeah, hit, that I'm that was that also was a short spot for me. Four, my guy, I'm gonna keep going, especially if I know I'm gonna keep done kill. I'm giving him one for every damn person he killed for the last ten movies, including the ones that suck. Yeah. <laughs> you getting the sticks, baby? You getting the sticks? Yeah. Well, guys, I mean, tell somebody give me that three fifty-seven <laughs> right now. He get two of his own. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to wrap up this podcast, guys. But next. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yes. Yes. We 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 do that. We go. We do that. We go around the road and back again. But uh, I'm about to run out of time, and we're already out of time for this podcast. So until next week, guys. This has been Latrice Carter, Mr. Paul Kalkoff. Uh, Lavelle Jackson and Jeremy Covington, my brother from another mother. And we, we will see you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.